And so I get it from all over, you know. And, um, you know, you would think if you were if you were in that capacity and you saw everything that was going on and you're reading the, the articles and you're watching the news and, and you realize, man, it's a sensitive time, I better be careful when I go out there and I'm faced with, you know, a potential arrest. Uh, cameras are flowing. We're, we're in the digital age, so everyone's got it capability of recording you uh you want to be a little smarter about how you activate that power that authoritative power that you've been given and yet you still have police officers out there making stupid mistakes and uh but my my trouble my problem with all this is that it doesn't define the force it doesn't define the entire department or police force in general on the national level. And uh, I'll tell you, I mean, just based on my experience last year, I now have my network spans the entire country. I got guys in, in Alaska, in Nebraska, in California, in Washington, all over the country. So I'm getting all these different perspectives from people. And, uh, and it's just sad that you know, the, it's all in the messaging. I mean, if you know people that are in marketing, or in communications, really I'm talking to my daughter about this, is the messaging, whatever you're doing, whether you're promoting a brand or you're just delivering a, a concept, the messaging is so critical to get it right. And I think what's happened here with the uh, defunding the police department's message, it's kind of got lost. You know, and there's no there's no way on on God's earth that we could live without a police force in place. Like who, you know, they're there to protect us, to protect our property, to protect you know the life that we enjoy, right? That we can go out to to a public place, that we can take our family out to dinner and feel safe. And we've all traveled, so we know what it's like outside the U.S., right? There's places that you can't do that, that, that if you do go out, you're, you're risking a lot. You're, you probably have bodyguards or, you got, you're, or you're with the local who knows the terrain and, and can uh, really, like, educate you on what's good, what's bad. We don't have those issues here. And so thinking of a life without a police force in place is really, really scary and then on top of that, to inject our military into our social uh, uh, fabric is a whole other level. Like, I, you know, I never want to live in martial law. I've been to countries with martial law in place. It's not, it doesn't give you a, a warm and fuzzy feeling. Uh, so, why did I the, don't, so why did the president threaten, and, and, I mean... Not why. I mean, I know there was, but, but like you're saying, the martial law and comparing the dangers in other countries, dictatorships, namely. I'll tell you what's ironic, right? With this administration, and I don't want to get political here. And I, I'm really, at this point, I'm not part of any particular, uh, you know, party. But it's just ironic to me that this administration started with building a fence around the country. Right. And now they're building a fence around the White House, our house, the people's house. That imagery 
was very powerful to me. Uh, I didn't need to read an article to figure out what's, what's going on. So I think people just need to take a, a deep breath. You know, they need to take a step back. Uh, we need a lot of love, man. A lot of love, a lot of compassion, a lot of empathy. Uh, I have a lot of black brothers uh, here and, and all over. I didn't have to move to Atlanta to, to have black friends in my, in my network. Uh, and I understand their history. I understand all the bullshit they've been through. And, uh, but there needs to be change on, on their end as well. You know, there needs to, that culture change. I, I see it here, you know, the hip hop culture has done a lot of damage to the black community. You know, it's influenced a lot of, a lot of conservative uh, people to think the wrong things about a particular ethnic group. And I think that's wrong. Latinos have it too. I mean, we have, every time I see this shit, you know, on TV and I see my daughter dancing to it. I'm like, what the hell, man? You know, like, is this like anybody who doesn't know Latinos, who, who doesn't have one Latino friend and sees one of these videos or sees one of these artists out there and how they act and how they carry themselves. And they're going to, they're going to generalize automatically they're gonna say, oh, so that's how Latinos act. They're loud. They're obnoxious. They're, you know, and, and that's not the case. So we really need to step back and, and just learn to relearn to, to live amongst each other. And hopefully right, so things calm down. So the, uh, <clears throat> it's shameful. So obviously, like, like you said, all those videos that show up and, you know, the, 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 the question that everybody has is, uh, you know, if the guy has no weapons, and the guy escapes, right? Could it? Could it, the guy said, you know what? Just say, shit, let him, let him run, and I'll call backup, you know, and the, and somebody will pick him up and arrest him. No, but the guy just stupid move because he felt threatened or he, he got pissed. He, he got It's pissed. a stupid move on both ends, right? Like all yeah. of us, the the five of us here, the four of us know that um, if you get stopped by a police officer, first thing you're going to do is make sure he understands that you're not going to be abrasive in any way. You're going to answer the questions. You're going to provide the documentation they're asking for. And you're going to just follow the, the rules because you don't, you know, I mean, anytime I'm faced against somebody who's carrying a weapon, I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back and say, hey, respect, you know, right away. Especially if he has the authority to use that weapon against you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time. What's going on in North Carolina? Is it the same feeling of, uh, you know, distrust? Or what do you see there, Mike? Um, honestly... Yes, it's it's still here. I, I would say that Charlotte and Atlanta probably have very similar makeups in terms of uh, population demographic. But um, I, I'll also say that me personally, you know, even though I've seen the, the local news, I uh, I'm working from home right now, as I think most of the world is, and um, really haven't gotten outside of my white bread world, if you want to call it that. You know, I live in a, a very uh, you know homogenous suburb and. Uh, 
really don't see a whole lot of uh, what's really going on if I, unless I venture downtown and see some of the other things that are happening. But I, I would suggest that and even say that it is disheartening and frustrating, to say the least. Um, just the response and, frankly, lack of response in some ends as well um, to what's going on. Um, and so it's uh, probably very similar, but also uh, a little bit different in that uh, – it's. I, I was kind of surprised that there wasn't more reaction to what, at least in Charlotte, to to what happened in Atlanta over the weekend, and um, at least uh, amongst the people that that say they're following this and say they're, you know, you know, following this and say they care because um, it really is just um, frustrating and disheartening. And the dog wants to join the conversation here. There you go, but, man. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's kind of surprising, but unfortunately not incredibly surprising, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the reality is we can be a, a force for change by the attitudes we have, you know? And what I, what I try to do is uh, I talk to, so I, of course I have a lot of black friends and what I, what I try to say is, uh, you know, we, we, Everybody that I that I meet, uh, you know, we uh, as Latinos, right? You mentioned it. So one of the things that I that I loved about what happened in Puerto Rico, right? So Puerto Rico was a, a good example of how to change things, where everybody in peace, right, protested. Uh, the majority, right? Talking about ninety nine percent of the people protested in peace. Yeah, we had a few riots in Old San Juan. Uh, but the reality is, you know what it is? That they changed the governor of the of the country just by uh, close to a million people marching. Uh, it, it was enough pressure to, to make that change. And things are better in Puerto Rico besides the whole, besides the economy going to shit, the hurricane and the earthquake. <laughs> Puerto Ricans feel at peace, knowing that they got the freaking guy out, uh, who was, who was uh, not racist, but but he was, uh, you know, he was just elitist and homophobic, right? That's really what happened. The yeah. guy had a chat. You know what happened? No, that the guy had a chat, like a WhatsApp chat. Yeah, and, with his friends, <laughs> with the friends who happened to be the cabinet members of the island. Uh, talking shit about gay people and about women and about, you know, we didn't they didn't talk about black because uh, Puerto Ricans are so mixed, right? But still, right. well, uh, in, Latin, in Latin America, as you know, you know, uh, there's no racism, there's classism, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you have blacks and you got Asians, you got a whole mix of of different ethnic groups. Uh, but everybody falls into a certain class. And, uh, you know, the beautiful thing about the, the U.S. is that you could, be, you could be a janitor, you could be a street cleaner, and if you can afford to pay $1,000 to go see Hamilton, you're going to be in that seat right next to the millionaire who didn't think twice about buying tickets. Um, and it's no problem. You know, but in Latin America, that doesn't exist. That's right. 
Very accurate. There's still some racism. I, I, I see it even, you know, particularly grandparents and stuff, but it's not as pervasive as it is yeah. here. But, but to counter it is that classism, which like you said, is, is just equally as bad. You're right. You still have, you know, if my daughter shows up and with a black guy, uh, I might not have that much of an issue. If the guy is a, is a hardworking guy and, Right, uh, I don't. I don't care about that. But, but some some people still have that issue. You know, uh, it's a shift in mentality. We all have to shift. We all, all of us. Uh, but talk to me but about positive. Think, oh, but ahead, here's, right. So here's something positive. Right. So every company, all our employers, you know, for years we've had all these uh, diversity programs in place. Right to make sure that we're hiring a mixed blend of of talent that we're in uh, that we're being all inclusive when it comes to sharing opportunities with people from all different backgrounds. Whether you're a a, a woman, you know, from the Middle East wearing a hijab, you know, uh, and and uh, or you're a black guy who grew up in Liberty City in Florida and somehow you made it out of the hood and you got educated and now you're, you're pursuing a professional career, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, I grew up with friends up in Jersey, man, that, that were, you know, I mean, they just had, they, they didn't have a chance. They never had a chance, you know, and some made it out, some didn't. But to me, the perfect picture of being inclusive and, and being open-minded is to not have a need for all these diversity programs in companies and in schools and all that. It started with affirmative action uh, years ago, uh, you know, where schools had to uh, admit a certain percentage. They had to fill a quota. You know? And anytime that you're doing something like that, where you're forcing... Uh, I, I just, you know, I think you're, you're trying to bend the rules to allow a, a smaller segment of society to have a piece of an opportunity. And I think the, the perfect picture is when you don't have a need for those programs, when everyone is acting, like Matt said, you know, with, with full understanding of who you're dealing with and accept people, uh, you know, from your heart, not not from, you know, trying to see where they're from, or where they came from, what they're made of, and all that stuff. And just accepting them as human beings. Will we see that in my lifetime? I, have, I don't know. I think my daughter's generation uh, definitely gets it. Um, she's, uh, she'll be 21 in March. And, uh, and you see them interact amongst each other. And it's a colorblind social existence. You know, nobody, nobody really cares who you, who you are, or where you're from, or what music you like, or whatever. It's just it, it, that that human interaction, right? Of having differences and all that, and making it uh, uh, engaging. I mean, making it a, an attractive, educating way of living where you get different points of views and, and observations from people. So it takes, it takes leadership as well. So I think 
if the person on the top and, 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 you know, if we have the opportunity, right? So I, I am a, a promoter of diversity, right? So since the very beginning, when I came to Miami and I realized that, that, that blacks were sitting in one corner of UM and I was sitting in the other corner and I joined the black people to hang out and people were looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and then I said, you know what? That's stupid, right? And then I started recruiting people in NKSI based, for, based on diversity. And when that happened, so then when I joined NKSI in the UM, they were all Cuban-Americans. And then when I had the opportunity to lead, I said, you know what? I'm going to start hiring for diversity in my fraternity. And I started reaching out to black people, reaching out to Jews, reaching out to, to uh, you know, any, anybody that, that basically joined my my quest to, to have a diverse uh, uh, environment and an experiment, right? That was really an experiment of what we all can accomplish. So it started there and now I live my life that way, right? I give opportunities to, to people, whoever. Um, I give opportunities to women. Most of the, the people that, that I hired uh, ha had been women. And these women took over my jobs at places when I left. And that was a beautiful thing. Just knowing the fact that I was able to contribute to that woman's career and, and to the point of her getting promoted and running the show, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Karen Nubel, which you, you guys will meet. So Karen used to be my analyst at Bladex, a bank in Panama. And she's now the head of emerging market credit for Bank of New York. She is a woman. She is Latina. And she is black. So talk about, wow. talk wow. about you know, uh, a beautiful story of, uh, of, uh, of uh, you know, basically a diverse woman yeah. that has the, had the raw material, right? She had the intelligence, the emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. And yep. she took full, uh, you know, she acknowledged who she was yep. and she, she wasn't threatening to people, right? That's the other thing, right? Because yeah. we're different. We also have to understand, like most of my, my bosses have been, had been at these banks, like at Bank of America and at Wells Fargo, Wachovia, most of my bosses were, you know, white Southerners that, that, uh, that happened to be the bosses at that time. And I respected them and they respected me, right? And by, through that respect, they realized, no, that guy is Puerto Rican, but he could be Chinese, he could be black, doesn't really matter. And because I respected them, uh, it worked yeah. out. It worked out, you know? You know, I was watching uh, CNN today and they interviewed uh, a, uh, a black female CEO Uh, who's in, uh, she's a CEO for a company, a Canadian company. Uh, no, no, mentira. She's, uh, she was in London. A company, I think the name of the company is Bonus or something like that. And uh, black CEO female. And, uh, and she was talking about just, you know, life. And, uh, and how she how she views things and how she's worked hard to get to what she wants, what she never expects, right? 
Yeah, if you get a chance, see if you could uh, if you could tap that interview to earlier today. It's probably on on the on uh, social media somewhere. Right, because I think that's that's the issue. Um, you're talking about affirmative action and and having quotas and you know that can shift the balance to a sense of entitlement. Yeah, of course. And not only defeats the purpose, but you know goes against. The, the minorities like ourselves, you know, which could conserve as minorities. So, so it's, it's that giving opportunities, but in a meritocratic way and not so yeah. much as an entitlement so that people feel that way. Well, one of the things, and it's funny because I, I ran, so Mike, I don't know, Mike, if you knew that, but I ran the Southeast trade business for uh, the U.S., for, for Bank of America. So basically what, what Mike is doing now is what I used to do for three years. And I used to go to Montgomery, Alabama, and I used to go to, uh, to uh, of course, Charlotte, Jacksonville. And yes, with my Puerto Rican accent, they probably got weirded out a little bit, but they respected me. They took me to uh, barbecues and Once I ate they heard you sing, they, they liked you. <laughs> But I, but I was, I, I never felt threatened. I always feel, felt the love of people that were trying to do the best thing. You know, I never felt, I never felt like a, like a Puerto Rican uh, or like a spick, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt that these people, you know, they probably didn't understand me a little bit, but they respected me. And I worked just as hard with the Southeast market as I did for Latin America. And, uh, and that, you know, gave me a newfound respect for, for people in the Southeast. So it's just, yeah, it's a weird thing. But what I tell my best friends is, you know what? We have to find ways to get together. Yes, we are, we are going to be, probably I'm going to be in a, in a neighborhood where I feel, uh, where I, where I am com comfortable, no? And, and probably the people in white picket fences and mansions are not going to walk and hang out in, in the hood, right? But we have to find places to get together, right? Like schools. We have to get find together in clubs. We get together at work. And, and, and that's how we make it work. If we avoid each other, then it's never going to get fixed. Right. If we don't interact, we're always going to be hanging out with, with our similar background. Right, Colombians in Atlanta, <laughs> or, or whatever. So it's yeah, yeah. we I have to put our, ourselves out there. I think I have a Andres, Andres talking about diversity. So Andres runs. Andres, you're there. Yes, I'm. I'm here. Hi, hi. How are you? Thing, a thing. Hi, how are you? How are you? What's going on? ¿Qué dice Colombia? No, aquí, eh, aquí estamos confinados. Aquí no, Todavía. Sí, aquí no salimos ni, ni a la... Acá, eh, por ejemplo, en Bogotá, eh, según el número de cédula, puedes salir a, a comprar a, al, a, al supermercado o a, a la entidad bancaria. Pero si tu número de cédula, solo, por ejemplo, a mí me, yo soy número de cédula par, solo puedo ir a hacer esas diligencias los días, los días pares. 
Entonces, aquí estábamos confinados Oye, doctor, acá. ¿Tú le das a él una soda? Andrés, eh, por tu acento, ay, ay, ay. Ah, no soy de Valledupar o de Leticia, más o menos. ¿Yo? Ni de Valledupar ni de Leticia, yo soy sí, no, más claro, Bogotá, que Bogotá. Te estoy molestando, por supuesto, se, se, se nota. Yo soy de Cali, mucho gusto. Ah, ¿qué tal, Juan Felipe? ¿Cómo estás? Pero no, yo soy bogotano. Sí, claro. Mi papá, mi papá no era de, de, de... Mi papá era de, del Tolima, pero se crió aquí en Bogotá desde los 20 años y acá se radicó. Mi mamá nació en Polonia, pero a los cuatro años se vino a vivir aquí a, 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 Bogotá. a Bogotá. Entonces aquí... Eh, mis hermanos y yo, bogotanos. Y eh, mis hermanos, el más... Como acá popularmente a los bogotanos los llaman rolos o cachacos. Los rolos. El claro. más cachaco soy yo. Sí, tenemos un acento, un acento muy marcado. Óyeme, pues, Andrés, te, te presento. Hacía ya un, un buen tiempo que tenía ganas de, de conectarte en este grupo. Uh, hoy... Lo que estás viendo ahora es, es una fracción, un poquito nada más de, de lo que eh, mi hermano Hernán, que está ahí en la línea, eh, ha construido. Sí. Y básicamente es oh, sí. una, una red global, como te dije en el, en el texto, el mensaje que te mandé, eh, de, de personas que se, se conectan y se pueden ayudar unos a los otros sin ningún tipo de de exigencia o, o límite o restricción eh, simplemente en conociendo gente dentro de donde tú vives sí. y, y por el mundo entero tienes esa oportunidad y pues, no, pues eso esto me parece eso me parece genial porque pues este, este mundo es de, es de relaciones es de contactos es de de alianzas, así que el tener conocidos en, en, en algunos lugares es atractivo en el sentido en que eh, te pueden asesorar, te pueden hacer alguna recomendación y por qué no generar algún emprendimiento, crear la empresa o crear alianzas para, para ayudarnos todos y más en esta época de de aislamiento y eso, digamos que la creatividad en algunos casos se, se debe, debe, debe aumentar. Así es, ¿no? Sí. Bienvenido, bienvenido. Y tú sabes que lo que yo le digo a la gente es que este, este es tu casa fuera de tu casa, ¿no? Aquí nosotros estamos, los que queremos estar, estamos. Y el propósito es ayudarnos a progresar en nuestras carreras. Y obviamente nos sí. protegemos nosotros también, obviamente. No queremos que nadie se, 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 se haga daño. <ríe> La realidad es que estamos aquí para ayudarnos. No, fue eh, fantástico. De hecho, hablando de, de ayudarnos. So we go back to English because Mike is there. Is there. Uh, so one of the oh, things Mike, is... Where uh, we go? Where'd Mike Ma go? Mike is probably walking the dog somewhere. No, I'm here. I just had to uh, change location because my phone was about to die. I've been listening to you, though. So Mike is in, uh, in Charlotte, or near Charlotte. Uh, sí, estoy un poquito al norte en Huntersville. Okay. ¿Por qué no hablas un poco, Mike? Why don't you talk about the project? 
that you that you you and your wife have? Ah, bueno, por supuesto, en español, inglés. Eh, español, why not? Okay. Así practicas español. Muy bien, pues lo hacemos entonces. De todas formas, uh, mi esposa y yo estamos montando un proyecto, lo que se llama el intercambio de idiomas entre familias. Y okay. pues estamos usando el... Es un sueño que hemos tenido. Bueno, me puedo defender bastante bien en español, pero mi esposa le ha costado un poquito y los últimos dos años ha aprendido bastante español. Pero estamos enseñando español a nuestros hijos. Y durante Muy ese bien. proyecto nos hemos arrodillado con gente de hispanohablante y también estamos enseñando a nuestros hijos por enseñarles español. Aunque, nuestro, aunque mi, mi esposa no habla perfecto, pues lo está enseñando frases y en la, en la vida normal está empleando frases y cosas que se puede decir para explicar cosas a los niños. Entonces, en ese proyecto hemos dado cuenta que es muy importante usar la idioma y estamos formando un intercambio de idiomas entre familias. Y hemos encontrado varias familias que quieren aprender español y también los que quieren aprender inglés. Y estamos haciendo parejas de familias y llevamos, ahora mismo llevamos 40 familias que están juntándose cada semana wow. por una hora y están, les damos materiales para el intercambio como un plan de estudios y también una comunidad para expresarse tienen insignias que pueden ganar, tienen varias cosas para, en, en la comunidad de Facebook pueden poner fotos y videos de lo que están haciendo. Es una comunidad muy dinámica y muy divertida. Y, pero ya estamos lanzando el segundo piloto, de, de piloto ya tenemos 60 familias más. Entonces sí, son casi sí. 100 familias que están juntándose cada semana para practicar idiomas. Y estamos construyendo puentes entre culturas. Como antes estuvimos hablando del racismo y de las cosas feas del mundo, pues es una opción, una opción para construir puentes entre las culturas y ayudarse a, a todos a aprender idiomas. Entonces, Mike, ¿es solo español o, o tienes otro idioma? Me robaste español la e inglés. Sí. Español e inglés. Hay que poner brasileros ahí para que, pa que practiquen portugués. Sí, oye, yo, yo, quiero, yo quiero aprender portugués. Yo no falo más. ¿Vos fala? ¿No me puede enseñar? No, no falo. Yo manejaba. No falo mano, portugués. Yo soy una enamorada brasileña. Soy esta novia, así mismo. Oye, ¿tú sabes? De hecho, aquí en Colombia, eh, acá hay muchos VPOs. Eh, eh, y exigen, exigen para, para algunos uh, equipos que es necesario el portugués. Inglés y portugués. Eh, están exigiendo mucho en, ese, en, en Colombia para los temas de eh, tercerización de, de call center. Entonces, lo qué? están exigiendo bastante. Por, por mucho brasilero, o sea, ¿por qué? ¿Aquí en Colombia? Sí. Es, pues como está tercerizando todo el tema de call center, digamos que la mano de obra en Colombia es un poquito más favorable, creo que en, en Latino, que el resto de Latinoamérica. Yeah. Entonces, eh, aquí ponen toda la central de llamadas de servicio al cliente de empresas claro, brasileras claro. grandes. Entonces, los chinos tienen que hablar eh, portugués necesario. Entonces, eh, y obviamente, otro, otro, otra empresa 
eh, hay, España también terceriza su servicio de call center aquí en Colombia y en ocasiones eh, obviamente algunas empresas norteamericanas también tercerizan el servicio acá, entonces acá hoy día es necesario para ese tipo de ofertas y a nivel de tecnología que es el área en que yo trabajo también están buscando personas que sepan hablar en inglés y portugués preferiblemente, de hecho en las vacantes que aparecen dice preferiblemente portugués e inglés claro, claro, claro. Qué interesante tú sabes que yo contrato yo contrato mucha gente de, de Colombia y de Venezuela eh, y lo hago porque tengo ¿cómo se llama? tengo el, el problema con tener gente en Venezuela es que la infraestructura es mala Tú sabes, se les cae el internet a cada rato. Y entonces sí. eso, si yo tengo un proyecto, la gente no se aparece, pero es porque el internet se le cayó el día entero. Entonces eh, es una jodienda. Y, y, y obviamente lo que, lo que lo aventaja es que hablan español, pero lo hablan bien. No los pueden poner en Puerto Rico porque nadie los entiende. <risa> ah, no, no, no. Menos los no, paisas. No. Los, los paisas, tú sabes que el otro día estaba escuchando canciones de reggaetón eh, y, y, y los paisas hablan eh, a, hablan casi como los puertorriqueños. Estos días vi un video de Manuel Turizo eh, y tendrá que él tendrá 18, 19 años en Spotify y bueno, un, un playlist un poco de reggaetoneros puertorriqueños, cada uno como que mensaje y, y hablamos en el turizo y, y súper eh, boricua, ¿no? O sea, súper... El slang. Sí, yeah. y yo como que y este, y este no es tan paisa, pues, o sea, ¿de dónde salió hablando puertorriqueño? No, pero ese, esos no son de, de Montería, los turismos. Bueno, el turismo, bueno, yo pensé, yo pensé que era de Medellín, el tenía, no sé, yo pensé que era, puedo estar totalmente equivocado, pero, pero le sentía el acento paisa. Sí, By the way, so, de Montería bueno, no sabía, no sabía, sí, no, eh, no sé. pero bueno, en todo caso, de Montería a Puerto Rico fue como un... Pero oye, comiquísimo, pero para que tú veas que, que la música nos une, ¿no? Y eso es algo muy bonito. La música okay. nos une, la música nos We're gonna une. switch back to English real quick because we have uh, Olu. Olu. So Olu, Olu is, uh, I met Olu in, uh, in Orlando in the team that we established in Orlando. And she's now a mentor in our program. And she's in, uh, she's originally from Nigeria, but she, she lives in Dallas. And she's been part of our team for a long time. And uh, I see you're driving, be careful, honey. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want you to crash. I need that to go get my wine. <laughs> oh, wow. Don't forget your cigar. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't smoke on my birthday. So I oh, didn't. Happy birthday. birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! That's the reason. Find a good wine. <laughs> Look, I know a good one. <laughs> tell us to us for for finding maybe here in Colombia. So how does it feel to be 21 again? I know. I know. <laughs> you have the same age like me. Great. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Olu, I have, uh, uh, this is Jose, I'm in, I'm in Atlanta, and I have a lot of uh, good, very good uh, Nigerian friends uh, here in, in Atlanta. Uh, 
That's nice. Yeah. That's good to hear. One one How one friend you? in particular, she's uh she's the head of HR uh for um for one of the big aeronautic companies here in Marietta. Oh that's great. Happy birthday well, to you. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. So, Olu, Cheers. So Olu and I have a challenge to so we're expanding. One of the 50 countries that we're expanding to is Nigeria. So we started with uh, wow. with uh, expanding in South Africa. We have somebody in South Africa. And now we're uh, Nigeria, Kenya. So we'll see. We're, we have a big plan for, for Africa as well. We want to give people the opportunity to connect and build bridges, you know, through That's our right. organization. The beautiful people in Mombasa. Oh, oh wow. It seems you are conversant with Af with the continent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Jose, which studied with me 20 years ago, Jose is in the Navy, and he has a lot of people that report to him uh, in the Navy from numerous places. So that became American, and now are serving in the armed forces. Oh wow! Thank you for your service, Jose. Oh, it's a it's a privilege. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, he was telling me about his, uh, his experience. So he was, uh, uh, not drafted. How do you call it? Deployed, no? Deployed. Mobilized. To, yeah. Mobilized. He was mobilized to, to the Middle East. And, uh, he says that his experience there, uh, was, uh, very, uh, you know, eye opening and also allowed him to put into practice his leadership skills which he gained throughout the years yeah ma managing people and we were talking about that before you joined all of that managing people from from different places uh allows you to appreciate uh people a lot more and Absolutely. also and also eliminates the fear and we were talking about that that the only way that we're going to change in this country is to for people to come together sit down and have conversations and know that we're not that different, right? Really, we want the same things. We want to, uh, you know, progress in our lives and in our mm -hmm. career and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and move forward, you know, uh, and, 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 and be honest and do an honest living. So that's another thing, mm -hmm. right? We, we have good people and bad people in all spectrums, right? We want to hang out with the good people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the, that's the whole point. Uh, Juan Felipe, so what do you want to do? Uh, what do you want to do in your in your next move? What are you looking at? So, well, first of all, I'm studying for the GMAT, and full disclosure. Wow. I'll be really transparent that I've been studying for the GMAT for two years. That does <laughs> not mean that I've been studying for the GMAT for two years, two years continuously. But you know, two years are enough. I've taken it three times. Um, but I do want to okay, score. So, so uh, number one, I uh, I want to leverage my more time to to you know speed that process up and hopefully get the score I want. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I'm probably going to stay in the supply chain and and or consulting realm. So. Ideally, it's both supply chain consulting, but you know, either another management consult consulting um, 
function or supply chain in, in an industry um, position. But I'm not saying, I, yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's the plan. That's the plan and, and, and not going too aggressive these days, like this week. As I, you know, prepare and think things through today, flew to Western. I'm, I'm gonna spend uh, Father's Day with with the family, and and once I get my head straight, you know, in the next couple of days, just go full throttle in that direction. Well, remind me to talk to my best friend in the planet. The guy is uh, one of the heads of IT for Ryder, uh, which is the largest uh, company here, and he. Uh, He's helping me a lot with the uh, with the recruiting for apprentice, and uh, you know he he talks a lot about developing certain skill set for the next generation, yep. which has to do with data analytics, right? BI and data analytics, data governance and management. It's a it's a new world that people have to adjust to. Yes. Uh, by the way, guys, so we come to the end of our, of our meeting. We have another, there's another meeting happening that has nothing to do with uh, Apprentice. It's a, it's a group of dads and, and people from my uh, community church that are joining. But uh, I want to, before I leave you guys, I want to thank you for joining. We'll do this again next Tuesday, uh, probably with another theme, another city. And I hope to see you guys in on Thursday with the with the Bogota uh, crowd, uh, Andres will feel right at home with with his uh, yes. with his people and and it's gonna be fun. Yeah, and Hernan, uh, please come see us in Atlanta. I know you came last time, but like it was in a rush. And Jose, now that you're back, um, you know, once this this pandemic subsides, we can we can plan on on you know, meeting again, grabbing a beer or something. Yeah, absolutely. Hernan can join us. You have my number. Uh, I'm sure I have yours. Let's uh, let's get together and uh, and pick up where we left off. I'd love to. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, listen. God bless. We'll Bye. we'll talk we'll talk later. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thank Bye. you very much. Bye. 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 Thank you all. See you soon. Bye. 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 Hey, Hernan, how you doing? What's up? <laughs>